Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 337 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in your word. Help us hear the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what's happening in John chapter 2. We read about the wedding feast where Jesus turned the water into wine. The servants were told to fill six water pots with water. They did this, and Jesus told them to bring a cup to the wedding manager. I wonder if they knew the water had been turned into wine or were still acting out of obedience to Jesus. Maybe they hadn't tasted it and didn't know if they would be embarrassed by the manager when he said it was just plain water. Either way, they were obedient, and Jesus performed a miracle that they participated in. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do something, and we don't see any evidence that his plan will come to pass. May God fill us with an obedient spirit to him in all things. Jesus' mother was at the feast, and she asked him to help with the wine, but he told her that his time had not yet come. I've read one commentary suggesting Jesus reinvented his relationship with his mother at that moment. He called her woman instead of mother. He would have had to check with his heavenly father to ensure this was in his plan, not just his mother trying to intervene. In verse 11, we read, His disciples believed in, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on him. This would have been a great reason to change the water into wine. Jesus didn't do anything without a purpose. He works in our lives very purposely today. We can praise him for his intercession in our lives and our intercession for us with God, our Father. In verse 34, we read, But Jesus, for his part, did not trust himself to them because he knew all men. May we be careful whom we trust. Jesus didn't trust the people before him, and he shows us that we must also be careful who we trust. Verse 35 says he could read men's hearts. He is still in the heart-reading business today. May we surrender our whole hearts to him. Let's see what John sees in Revelation chapter 17. Babylon is mentioned in verse 5 as the great mother of prostitutes. This refers to idol worshipers. In the Apostle John's time, Babylon was full of idol worship. Even before John's time, there was idol worship and it still exists today. John is told to go with one of the seven angels to see the judgment. In our reading, the Amplified Bible defines harlot to be the word of idolatry. When we read about a harlot, we are reading about idol worshipers. John was taken to a desert where he saw a woman seated on a beast, the same beast we read about in chapter 13. She was adorned beautifully, and the people saw her and her regime as beautiful. There is likely a political reference here, but also religious. We read about the deception caused by the enemy in John's vision, and wisdom is to see that false religion is escalating today. In verse 13, we read that the kings and rulers have one common policy, opinion, purpose, and they deliver their power and authority to the beast. As we see the wave toward a one-world order, we can be sure we are headed into the end times. I will post a link to an extensive commentary on this chapter in this episode's show notes so you can research more if you'd like to. It truly is fascinating. We start the book of Hosea today. This book takes us back in time to 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles when King Jeroboam II was king over Israel. He was a descendant of King Jeroboam I, who was responsible for the split between Judah and Israel. If you remember, there was a great controversy after King Solomon died. His son Rehoboam had become king, and the people asked if he would lower their taxes. 
Rehoboam asked three older wise men and three young men that he'd grown up with what they would advise. The king took the younger men's advice, who told him to deal with the people even more severely than his father did. The Israelites rebelled, split from Judah, and made Jeroboam their king. He erected two golden calves for the people to worship instead of allowing them to return to Jerusalem because he thought they'd give their allegiance back to Judah. God set himself against them and the house of Jeroboam from then on. It was close to a couple hundred years since King Solomon's reign when Jeroboam II took the throne. And that brings us up to date as we read the book of Hosea. In chapter 1, God told Hosea to marry a prostitute, signifying Israel's faithlessness to him. Hosea's children's names signify God's position with the Israelites. The first one was named Jezreel, representing God's judgment over Jeroboam. The second child's name was Jo-Ruhamah, which signified God withholding his mercy from Israel. And the third child was named Lo-Ami, which meant that the people were no longer his. In the last two verses of this chapter, God calls his people back to him and calls them sons of the living God. Judah and Israel will be gathered together once again under God. In chapter 2, God tells Hosea to plead with Israel to stop playing the harlot. They were serving other nations' gods instead of Almighty God. They were giving parts of their crops to Baal as sacrifices. The Lord had blessed Israel with fruitful harvests, but they did not recognize him as the giver. May we know that everything is God's. He is the giver of all good things. Anything we have is from the Lord, even our time. What do we spend our time on? What do we spend our money on? These are things to consider so we don't commit the same offenses as the Israelites. Reading the prophets can help us unearth the idols we worship. May God show us what they are, and may we be willing to surrender them to the Lord and praise him for his goodness. In the case of the Israelites, God planned to take away his blessings. The prophets warned them to return to the Lord, but they didn't. He would have to touch their circumstances to bring them back to him. His plan has always been to restore them to himself. He desires relationship with his people, and he made a way for that to happen through his son, Jesus Christ. The full restoration of his people is still awaiting fulfillment, but it will come. Let's see what we can learn from Proverbs 6 today. In verse 12, he writes, A worthless person, a wicked man, is he who goes about with a perverse, contrary, wayward mouth. This person has evil in his heart and sows discord among others. Then he lists the seven abominations to the Lord. Pride, lying, murder, wicked thoughts and heart, someone who runs after evil, and false witnesses. Solomon reminds us to keep God's commandments. He has very wise advice to keep us safe from the enemy. He also tells us about the repercussions of not keeping God's commands. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for showing us more of your wisdom in your word today. Help us follow you closely. Help us cling to you and your ways. May we lean into you for all we need because this life cannot offer what we truly desire. Only you can fulfill our hearts. Keep our hearts soft toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.